Hi, thanks for joining us. This is Bonnie Wallace, author of The Hollywood Parents Guide, Young Hollywood Actors, and Top Hollywood Acting Teachers. Today, my guest on this episode of the Hometown to Hollywood podcast is television director Jody Margolin Hahn. Jody started her career working with sitcom writers. She has directed over 150 episodes of television, including The Connors for ABC, Call Me Cat and the Cool Kids for Fox, One Day at a Time, Fuller House, Mr. Iglesias, Alexa and Katie, and others for Netflix, Nickelodeon, and the Disney Channel. She recently completed her first short film, Yes, No, and directed the pilot and multiple episodes of the Netflix series, The Expanding Universe of Ashley Garcia. She's a member of the Directors Guild of America. Jody, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. That's a lot of stuff in the intro. <laughs> That's a lot of TV. I've been doing it a long time, Bonnie. I've been in the business a long time. <laughs> well, it's uh, it's a pleasure to see you again, and uh, and I'm just so pleased to have you on the podcast here. You. you are um you are one of a growing number of women directors, and it's so exciting to me to see all the work you're doing. When did you know that you wanted to direct? Um. Honestly, I think I was, I was always directing. I was that kid who, uh, I'm the oldest of, of three kids. And when I was little, I remember we used to do plays in the backyard and I was always the star and the director. And I always made my sister the boy and my neighbor the tree. You know, I mean, it was, I feel like we were always doing that. We were always play acting and I always took on that role. So it was something that I just kind of gravitated to. Um, but I didn't really... Um, like I did theater in high school. And then when I went to college, I studied communications um, and which was really more of a uh, theoretical kind of approach to communications. It wasn't very hands-on. So I think I really, um, I want to say I really just decided that I wanted to be a director once I actually got my foot in the door in Hollywood Mm -hmm. and started working. Well, so how did that happen? Because I see that you've got a BA in communications from the University of California, Santa Barbara. Mm -hmm. And I read somewhere that you were a script supervisor. I I was. So how how did how did that happen? How did you even get like, how do you get in the door for something like that? Okay, so I I mean, if. So, so I went to school in Santa Barbara. I, I got this degree in communications and it was really more, like I said, theoretical. Um, you know, the the history of mass communications or the effect of TV on children or what it was that kind of a degree. Right. Um, so the only hands on experience that I got was from internships that I did. So I had a radio show um, on campus and I was an intern for the local cable station where I did everything from, you know, I learned how to coil cables and I learned how to write copy and I went in the news truck, you know, that kind of thing. So I, I got a taste of what it was, what production was, but it wasn't like I went to a film school or, or uh, you know, um, even going to, even studying radio, TV, film, which they did have that major, but I didn't do that. It was really more of a... Um, of an overall kind of education, a lot of interpersonal communication classes I took, which, you know, in hindsight, I think is equally as valuable because as we know, you know, it's a business of communication and, and being able to communicate with everyone on set is a, is a valuable tool as a director. Um, but so, so that's really where I got, I started to get some practical experience. And then, um, 
I, when I graduated from school, I moved to LA and uh, in those days there was no internet. I'm going to age myself. Um, uh, you I, and me both kid. <laughs> but there was, a, there was, a, I went to the UCLA job board, which literally was a, you know, a job board with postings on it. Um, and I saw an, uh, a, an ad for an assistant to a producer and I ended up um, applying and I got this job and it was really, I remember it was, I got paid $75 a week. It was an internship, a paid internship, but for $75 a week. And I was working with this producer um, who happened to be married to the head writer of Days of Our Lives. And so I would help him. He was writing treatments and projects and stuff. And I would help him with his writing or he would pitch things. And uh, it was really an assistant job, but I was doing a lot of writing. And so after the first couple, I don't know, months of doing that, he said, you know, my wife is uh, the head writer at Days of Our Lives and she could use some help in the writer's room. So I ended up splitting my time between working with him and then working with his wife in the writer's room at Days of Our Lives. And, um, and I remember doing research for her and she would say things like, we want to kill off this character um, at the beach, what would happen if they stepped on a jellyfish, you know, that kind of stuff. And so I would say, well, this is what would happen. I would do the research. And so that was really my first actual television experience being um, at Days of Our Lives. And, um, but it's still, by the way, making $75 a week. So let's be clear. Now I'm working. <laughs> so at mm. some point, I think I said, you know, I, I need to at least make minimum wage. So, um, I think I stayed there about a year making minimum wage, doing two jobs. And then I ended up um, leaving that job and I applied for, um, I saw another job in the back of the Hollywood Reporter for a writer's assistant. And this was on a show um, that Chad Lowe was starring in. I'm going, I'm, this is, you know, this is mid eighties um, that Chad Lowe was starring in called Spencer. And I got the job there and it got canceled within a week of me being there. No. Um, yeah. But I now had now, you know, I'd only been there a week, but I had now met the producer. So um, she then I think gave my name to the uh, producer of a show called Give Me a Break, which was with Nell Carter back in the day. This is like 1985. And I ended up getting the job as the assistant to the executive producer, head writer. So now I'm in a writer's room. Now I'm working, you know, on a show that had, at that time it was in its fifth season. I think it was for NBC. Um, and so really it was, that was the first real TV production experience that I got. And that's when I, I looked around and I went, you know, where do I see myself? Do I want to be in the writer's room? Do I want to be on the stage? And, um, and I realized that I didn't want to be in the writer's room. I wanted to be with the actors um, in rehearsals and on stage. And so I started um, kind of being mentored by the script supervisor there. And, um, and then when that show finished, I actually went and worked at Club Med for six months, but that's another story. Um, <laughs> as a DJ in Guadalupe, but it was great. I was, you know, 23 years old and working in, Club Med, but um, when that when that stint ended, I came back and I worked on this show called uh, Empty Nest, and it was there that I started really learning from the script supervisor, and then I got an opportunity to fill in for her um, on a, another show uh, 
or I feel like I, I filled in for someone else on that lot on a different show. And so I, I got into the DGA mm. at that time. Uh, we were called production associates, the script supervisors. And so I got into the DGA doing that. Mm-hmm. And this is a very long story to get to how I got to Roseanne. No, but- I love this. I love this because <laughs> it's like, this is what people really need to hear. It's not like, well, I graduated from college with this degree in film and such and such. And then they hired me to direct. It's like, no. My, my path <laughs> is so like, you know, it is so like this, Bonnie. It's just well, I know people can't see me do this, but it's, it's, it's really, making little uh, circles and swirls with their hands. Little, yes. And it was like, it truly was that thing where one door closes, another one opens. It's really how that happened. But, um, so, so I was working on this show, uh, Empty Nest. I had just gotten one episode of, it was a show called Heartland with Brian Keith. And, and I, I had replaced the script supervisor there. I got that one shot so I got my I, I got my first taste of being a script supervisor, and I was like, okay, now I want to do this. I'm done being a writer's assistant. I want to be a script supervisor. And I saw again an ad in the Hollywood Reporter to be a script supervisor for the soap opera Santa Barbara. So I went and I interviewed, and during the interview, the producer said, "You don't have much experience. You've only done one episode of television." Um, and you, you know, you had what a couple months on days of our lives, but it's not enough experience in soap opera. You have more experience in sitcom. Um, but I can tell you that I just interviewed a woman who is leaving a new show. She was, uh, she was a script supervisor on this new show that's starting up and she's leaving. I just interviewed her for Santa Barbara and I'm going to hire her, but you should call over there. And I was like, okay. So I called over to the Roseanne production office. And I I think I knew someone there who, like a PA who had been on Give Me a Break. Anyway, I ended up getting an interview for Roseanne with one episode under my belt as a script supervisor. So I remember I I went to this interview and I'm sitting outside in the waiting room and, you know, I'm about to go in and I'm, I think at this time I was, I don't know, 26 years old, something like that. And I see this woman go into the interview eating a sandwich. And I'm thinking, there's no way I'm going to get this job. She, this woman is so confident that she can walk into an interview eating a sandwich. So clearly she's going to get this job, right? And so she walks out, I walk in, and I end up interviewing with the associate director at the time, whose name is Gail Mancuso, who became a huge two-time Emmy, <laughs> Emmy award-winning director, and John Pasquin, who was the director at the time, and, and the producer, Al Lowenstein. And I went in there, and I was just myself, and, and I clicked with Gail. And, I, and I, I think she just liked my personality, she liked my energy, and they ended up giving me the job. And, and later I said, you know, I was 100% convinced there was no way I was going to get this job because this other woman was so confident that she went and ate her lunch. And she said, Jody, we all looked at each other and went, who does she think she is eating her lunch in an interview? And I just thought that's so funny because it's really <laughs> the perspectives that you have, right? It's, it's, yeah. it's, you know, my insecure perspectives sitting outside that waiting room thinking she's got it. There's no way I got it. And so anyway, that was how I got my foot in the door at Roseanne. And I, um, that's the show that changed my life truly, because, um, I was there for four years. I was learning from some of the most incredible actors and directors and writers. 
And, and it, you know, it was like a boot camp for great television. Hi. With the entertainment industry changing every day, I'm continuing to work to be a source of inspiration and information in your life. As it's been for five seasons and over 120 episodes, the Hometown to Hollywood podcast will be there for you. Now, I'm asking you to be there for us. The podcast has been a labor of love for years, and now I'm asking if Hometown to Hollywood's been a friend to you, if it's helped, educated, and inspired you, please become a supporter of the podcast. For only $5 a month, the price of a latte, you can become a friend of the podcast and help me afford to continue to do the work that you've come to depend on for honest, insightful interviews that shed light on how to succeed in the entertainment industry. If you can afford it, pitch in $10 a month and become a good friend of the podcast. Your support helps supplement the people who can only give $5 a month. Join now. Just go to hometowntohollywood.supportingcast.fm. That's hometowntohollywood.supportingcast.fm. And in just two clicks, you can have access to the complete version of this incredibly informative conversation, as well as each upcoming episode and the entire collection of over 120 past episodes. If you can't afford $5 a month to subscribe, the first 10 minutes of every episode will still be available for free. Subscribers get the full episodes delivered right to their inbox. Thank you. I appreciate your support, and I can't wait to share the exciting upcoming conversations with you. Meanwhile, if you could use some one-on-one -on -one coaching, invest in a video consultation session with me. Just go to hometowntohollywood.com and click on the consultation page. In 60 or 90 minutes, you can get peace of mind and a detailed action plan. Remember, the future belongs to those who believe in their dreams.
But I'm thinking about, you know, the way the industry works and the changes in the industry. And, and you mentioned that you think it was about maybe 10 years ago that it shifted where, you know, it wasn't the case anymore necessarily that one director directed an entire season or multiple seasons of a show. It's like, this is the show's director, but it started to be more of a sort of revolving door thing. And I remember when we landed here about 10 years ago, that I was surprised by that when I saw it. I'm like, what do you mean? It's not just one director. There's, there's a new one every three weeks or whatever. Right. I found that really weird. And, and I'm very curious about that. What, what do you think... Is there something that happened that that shifted the model? I I personally think it it happened because um, when you have multiple directors coming in, it puts more power in the hands of the executive producers. You know, it's like because you you kind of you come in and it's almost like you're the substitute teacher for the week. You know, so you really are coming in and you are delivering the show but but the the tone of the show has been already set and the look of the show and so I think you know when you have on the few shows where they have one director doing them all like a Jimmy Burroughs who's doing all of Will and Grace let's say or like Pam Fryman who did all of How I Met Your Mother mostly those directors usually also get executive producer credits right it's because they really become you know, more of a producing director of the show. So I think, I think it, it started out that way, but now I think it's more about giving people opportunities. And especially now with inclusion being such a huge thing, more and more people are getting opportunities that have never had opportunities before. And that's a great thing. So they, in addition to moving people up from within the production, you know, moving a, an associate director up to a director or an, an AD up to a director or a DP or a dialogue coach, you know, in addition to doing that, they're bringing in outside directors who maybe didn't have sitcom experience, but maybe had done, uh, you know, a, uh, a play or had done a music video or, you know, had done single camera or what, you know, so they're really finding it's created more opportunities for more people to get their foot in the door, which is, is great. Um, the, the difficult thing about um, be doing, you know, the revolving director thing is that what, what I have found is that when you come in and you've only been given one episode, you have that one episode to a get everyone to trust you, the, the writers, the producers, the, the actors, the crew, not only, you know, get them to trust you, but then also uh, get the show done in the best way that you can and, um, and, and, and hopefully leave them wanting more. And, and so it's, you don't really get into a rhythm until you get the second episode. So it, it's, it's nice to be able to have two episodes, like to have two in a row so that you can kind of get your feet wet in the first one. And then by the second one, you're like family. Mm -hmm. But when you only do one and then you're gone, it, you know, it's it's kind of hard to get a run at it, I would say. And also from the from the actor's point of view, I think it's probably hard for them to adjust to a different director's style every week. Right. Because you 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 get used to how a certain director directs and then you have to kind of pivot and switch gears when someone else comes in and now they're directing in a different way. And so it's um, yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, 
I think, yeah, I just think it's an adjustment process for mm-hmm. everyone. Um, but it's a, it's, it's also kind of, especially in sitcoms, it's a small kind of group of, there's a, you see a lot of the same directors kind of rotating between show and show, show to show. So I think uh, ultimately you'll always know somebody either on the crew or an actor that you've worked with before or something like that. But um, I think it is an adjustment more for the actors probably. Well, I think I think for young actors in particular, it's it's sort of part of the the boot camp experience of of getting your chops to have different directors. Hopefully, yeah. not quite every week, but but on a regular basis. Because um, if you're going to be in this business and you're going to have a career as an actor, you need to be comfortable with all kinds of different directing styles. Exactly, um, and to pivot and to accommodate that. Right. Right. So, and I do, I do love, I mean, sort of like, you know, this explosion of content that we're getting across all these different channels now and, and the sort of surface area of opportunity that everybody is getting out of that, you know, actors and everybody else. Um, I do kind of love the, the, the fact that the revolving door gives new faces and new talent, more opportunity, quite literally. I think that's Agreed. a pretty cool thing. You know? Agreed. It's taken a long time. I'm glad we're here. Oh, man, no, seriously, it's 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 really heartening. I, I have to say, I, I mean, I know it's a weird time right now, like right now, but I do feel like there's this kind of renaissance going on in particular in TV, and there's this kind of been never been more opportunity right. for anybody who wants right. to be in the industry, whether you're acting or directing or, you know, what have you. Even in, even in production, even in, in the, you know, the AD jobs or the script supervisor, all of those, they, they are opening up the doors. So it's, it's really nice. Yeah. I mean, and I'm, it's funny because, you know, I started, the first time I ever directed was in 1996, a long time ago, but I wasn't able to just direct one and then continue directing. I, I went back and forth from being an associate director and doing two here or four here or one here. And it was always like, I always felt like they were just kind of throwing me a bone kind of thing. It was never like, uh, okay, now here you go. You're on your way. And um, it it really, for me, it didn't really happen until about 10 years ago when I said, I'm only going to do this job. I'm I'm not going to be an associate director anymore. I'm only going to focus on directing. And and then once I kind of convinced myself that that's what I was going to do and put it out into the universe, that's when it happened. But um, it's... uh, it wasn't so open then. It was really like, you know, a lot of white men doing everything. And, and for me, it was really like, okay, you can have one, you can have two, you know, but now I feel- We haven't hired a woman for a while. We'll give it to Joe. Honest with you, you joke, but that was exactly what it was. I remember going on an interview one time where they said, oh, we just had a woman direct last week and it didn't go, go so well. And I'm thinking, okay, so so what? That doesn't mean <laughs> I'm not her. I'm not her. You can't just make a blanket statement and say all women are not going to do a good job. <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> but but now you know I'm I'm working more than I ever have, and it's fantastic. But I think a lot of that is because you know the the times have changed. Things are things are changing now. So um, I'm benefiting for sure right now. I think. And also the more you do it, the better you get. Right. And, and that's the thing when you only get one or two or it's, it's hard to 
maintain your confidence. It's hard to feel confident. It's hard to walk in a room and go, I've got this. But mm-hmm. the more you do it, it truly, it's truly is like riding a bike. The more you do it, the better you get and the more confident you are and the better you are. So um, it's all about experience and practice, like anything, really. Yeah. And the opportunities are, are better than ever. Yeah. Um, any favorite stories about projects that you've directed over the years? Any favorite stories? Um, well, you know, I, it's not really a story, but for me, the, the moment where last year when I came in to direct the Connors after not having been there for 30 years and having been the script supervisor, that was a pretty amazing full circle moment for me. And I remember being there on, on day one and I had just directed a scene um, with Michael Fishman who plays DJ. And when I first met him, he was, you know, six years old or something. And now here he is a <laughs> grown man. And we were walking from one set to the next and he came up to me and whispered in my ear, welcome home. And oh to me, I was like, oh my God, it gave me chills. I was like, that is huge. It just, it, and then, so for me, that, that was like a huge thing, you know, because so much history there. Uh, and then I got to direct their live show, which again, we're talking about stepping out of my comfort zone. That was a huge feat for me. And that they, that I had the confidence to be able to say, I got this, I can do this. And that they had the confidence in me was huge too. Um, so I mean, that's not really a specific, that was a specific no, moment that was just really sweet and special. That gave me chills. Yeah. <laughs> it's really poetic. It's really. Home, right. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Any final thoughts for young actors or parents of young actors who are just hoping to make a career in film or TV? Um, I, I, I would say if, if, if support, just be supportive. If, if the child wants to do it, then support them as much as you can and, and give them the tools, meaning let them, if you can, um, let them take acting classes or do workshops or be in plays or, or you know, go to auditions if that's what they're doing. Like, uh, just support as much as, as you can. Um, and don't push them if they don't want to do it. That's what I would say, because honestly, not all kid, not all kids who are acting want to be there. Um, and, uh, from what I've seen anyway, but the ones that do want to be there are embracing all of it and, and have parents who are embracing, you know, because it's a sacrifice, right? To be a parent of an actor is a sacrifice. And so it it takes it's a it's a whole family thing I think you know they can't drive you've got to drive them you've got to take them to auditions you have to be there on set when they're uh, you know younger than 18 they need a parent on set it's a huge commitment so be willing to make that commitment with your child and um and know that it it pays off in the end because it's a pretty great job it's a pretty great gig <laughs> right it really can be um any advice for for 20 somethings who are you know hoping to break into the industry for 20 somethings um it's kind of the same i think mm-hmm. i think just don't give up just keep doing it and your time will come but be prepared and do the work and have fun with it and 
see as many plays as you can see, be in as many plays as you can be in. Um, you know, it's just, it's such a hit or miss thing really, but um, it's, it truly is the greatest, it's the greatest industry in the world. I think <laughs> it's just, you know, it's, it's creative and it's fun and it, it's family. It really does become family when you're on a show that goes for a couple seasons. I don't know. I would say just don't give up. Don't give up. Keep going for it. But, but, but put yourself out there. You know, the other thing is, again, with the internet, you can put yourself on the internet. You, I've, I've worked on shows that became shows because they were social media influencers and they did that on their own. So the, to, the, it's there that's, they've got the opportunity with an iPhone and, and an internet, really. If you really want to do it, you can put yourself out there and, and really be discovered that way. It does happen. It does happen. Yeah. Um, if you could give your younger self, if you could tell your younger self something, what would you tell her? Um, my younger self. Um, you know, that's, that's a great question. I, I look at, at, you know, when I was a kid, I don't, I didn't really, I, I was always creative and I was always do Like I said, doing plays and, and doing music. And I was always doing that kind of stuff, but I don't think I ever saw myself being a director. And so, but what I have done my whole life is I've taken risks and I have, um, and when I say taken risks, I've, I've taken risks, but I've done, I've done the preparation or done the homework beforehand so that I've never walked into a situation where I thought, oh my God, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, so that didn't answer your question. My younger self, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like I, I have, I have a career that I love. I, I can tell you what my dad used to tell me when, when I was younger, he said, cause I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I remember having conversations with him about it. And he said, you know, if you can find a job where you wake up in the morning and you cannot wait to get to work, whatever it is, then you've succeeded. And I have had that ever since I started in this industry. I'm not even going to say as a direct, as a director. Yes. I, I love my job. I am so thrilled to be able to do this job because it's, I, I feel like I, I literally have hit the jackpot, but even when I was a writer's assistant in the very beginning, I still loved going to work. So um, it's not really to my younger self. I guess I would just say, you know, find that thing that you're passionate about, find that thing that makes you happy, find that thing that you want to get out of bed and go, go do every morning. I guess, you know, like my parents always said, you can be whatever you want to be. You can do whatever, you, anything you want to do. So I never felt like I couldn't do something. I always felt like I, as long as I do the, do the work, as long as I figure it out, I can do, I can do it. So I, I guess that's, I, I never really had self doubt, I think. And that goes back to the whole confidence thing. I think I just always felt confident and, and 
in looking back, that was because my parents instilled that in me. So, um, you know, when you say, what would you tell your younger self? I guess I would say, you know, uh, get ready because you're going to have a, you're going to have a great career. You're going to have a great life. You're going to have a great family and uh, you're going to have a good time. I don't know. That's that's, (laughs) that's fabulous, Jody. (laughs) I don't don't know. I, I, you know, (laughs) I'm in a good place. I'm definitely in a good place right now. So I, I think, yeah, it's, it's good. I've hit the jackpot. It's a joy to see. I'm really happy for you. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Oh, my great pleasure. Everybody should follow Jody on Instagram. She's at Jody FM, J-O-D-Y-F-M. And she has a website, which is Jody Han, H-A-H-N.com. Thanks, Jody. Thank you so much, Bonnie. Thanks for being a friend of Hometown to Hollywood. Your support allows me to support you with these exclusive, intimate conversations with top Hollywood talent. Their generous sharing of advice and experience can make all the difference in your success. If you enjoy the podcast, take a moment to rate and review it. It makes a huge difference. Just go to hometowntohollywood.com slash podcast and click on the rate and review button at the top of the page. It's that easy. Look for my new book, Top Hollywood Acting Teachers, on Amazon. Meanwhile, you can also check out Young Hollywood Actors and the Hollywood Parents Guide, which are on Amazon too. Finally, for one-on-one coaching, invest in a video consultation session with me. Just go to hometowntohollywood.com and click on the consultation page. In 60 or 90 minutes, you can get peace of mind and a detailed action plan. Remember, the future belongs to those who believe in their dreams.